normal boys programs sometimes because in girls ones there's not much action and i like kind of like action i would watch some of the boys programs if they were like good because <laughs> that doesn't make any sense right so we're gonna uh get on with uh put your money where your mouth is and uh this is all about ideas that's the engine room of our business and coming up with ideas, financing them yourself, pulling the whole thing together, walking the floor, trying to get them off the ground. It really is. Everybody's job in this room is based on the people who do that. And so uh, a big round of applause. You haven't met them yet to the three people who are going to be doing this for us today. So give them a lot of love in the room. Yeah. And uh, right, it's going to work like this. I'm going to introduce you to our four uh, dragons, though that's a terrible way of describing them, because they're lovely, lovely people with a lot of money. And they have, they have £2,000 each. We didn't give it to them, it's their own money from their companies. And they have that to spend to try and seduce uh, one of our three ideas into having uh, a relationship, a professional relationship. They're going to have an exclusive window to talk for as long as each party feel it applicable to see if they then want to move forward. So. All the people in the room who think, oh, that's quite a nice idea, I might talk to them in the bar. Well, I'm sorry, if money has been paid, you can't until this deal has been ratified. So that's what we're going to be doing. But it's not just about the dragons, it's also about you. You probably wondered why there was a piece of paper on your chair. Well, the idea is that after the dragons have had their say for each idea, then we ask you what you think of the idea. And if you like it, then put up your white piece of paper. So we'll have a little practice of that, I think. So... Uh, I don't know. If you have ever pitched a show, put up your white piece of paper. Wow, look at that. All these pictures, right? Okay, put them down again. If you receive pictures, if you take pictures from people, put your piece of paper up. Ooh, yeah, not bad. So what about uh, people who um, uh, have swung both ways? How many of you have uh, swung both ways? Mm, yeah, quite a few of you. Great. Well, you obviously have a lot of affinity and a lot of empathy for what's going to be going on today. So please uh, give them uh, a lot of support as they get on and, uh, and pitch their shows. Uh, we also have Anthony Utley. Anthony is here. Do you have a microphone, Anthony? We are the Anton Deck of the, uh, of the children's business because Anthony is going to be wandering around. And if you have put up a piece of white paper, and don't let Anthony put you off from putting up your piece of white paper, he may ask you why and get uh, an opinion from the audience as to uh, why you like a particular show that's been pitched to you. So that's kind of it. Um, we are going to be pitching, and pitching is tough. Uh, some people think that if you know these commissioning editors terribly well, that it's somehow a lot easier to get your show away. But believe me, it just means you get a, a very friendly no. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Tony, but no. But see you at the party on Friday. Yeah, I'll see you at the party on Friday. Love you. Love you. So it really doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work to, uh, to just get to know them super, super well. Because they can, they can, sorry I'm speaking on your behalf now, but they can see a diamond in the rough, but they can also see the smoke and mirrors of a slick pitch where there's no diamond at the centre. And that's what we're looking for, because these people have received more pitches in two weeks than any of us make in a lifetime. And so that does come with worth, and they are going to bring that expertise to the table as they decide which shows they want to put money into. So... Uh, uh, I think also uh, some people think that uh, it's box ticking as to whether a show is right or not. 
you know, uh, is it toyetic? Can we sell toys from it? Does it have a play pattern? Can the children walk away from the show and continue playing with the show? <laughs> does, it, um, does the lead character have a job that's easily understandable by a child? And when they go to do that job, is there a nice song, something with maybe a little catchphrase as they get into the action and do it? And uh, do you have a, a clear learn, something the children can take away from the show? And maybe colour code your characters. Make sure they're all colour coded. And uh, uh, if you have an opening song, then name check every single character in that song. Now, if you haven't done that, if you haven't ticked any of those boxes, then uh, you've probably just, I don't know, made Peppa Pig. Because... <laughs> and I don't see those guys here, do you? Where are they now? Take advice. Do things properly. <laughs> so let me introduce you to our panel. We have Finn. Finn Arneson. Finn Arneson is the SVP, they all have letters, SVP Global Distribution and Development at Hasbro Studios. So welcome, Finn. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. We have Eric Casimiro, the Chief Creative Officer at Zodak Kids Studios. Thank you for coming, Eric. And we have Genevieve Dexter, the CEO of iPresents. Hi. Thank you for coming too. And of course, Cheryl Taylor, the controller of CBBC. So a round of applause for all our dragons. So guys, what do you look for in a, in a pitch? Do you want to just say a little something so that our, uh, our pitchers can get the measure of you? What do you, uh, Finn, what do you sort of well, look for? First of all, did you enjoy your vent? Did, did I enjoy, enjoy what? Your vent. My vent. Oh, yeah, I did enjoy that. that, that yeah. I've had that pitch. I wrote that this um, morning. I think, you, I think you summed it up. You know what? We, we are always being accused of box ticking, and we're always accused of putting things in boxes. Where is the fresh new idea? Even that saying it sounds like it's a cliche. But uh, obviously, white space, something that's not been done before, something that can go, for me, across all platforms, and literally tap into the zeitgeist of whoever your demographic you're targeting. Simple as that. Right. Genevieve. Oh, well, we always say we look for things with uh, unique provenance um, and something with a beating heart. So we're an independent. So if it's if it's out there already, that's a plus for us. Um, you know that there's already uh, a proven audience um, and a fan base. Right. And Eric. I think um, first and foremost is sort of an authenticity to the to the idea and. And I'm also a sucker for a laugh, so if it's funny and has a, a really warped sense of humor, I especially like it a lot. Right, and Cheryl, finally. Yeah, like Eric, um, I'm well known for loving really bold and very funny ideas. Um, obviously, the BBC is a public service broadcaster, which doesn't mean that we have a million boxes to tick, but we have a lot of expertise um, in what we call stealth learning, which means that there are, you know, we hope, kind of nutritious messages for kids, but never, ever at the expense of entertainment and great format points. Um, so kind of really bold, bold ideas that, will, that, that, know, that, understand, that you understand the audience, basically, and also that you love the idea. I think that's a, a really great thing is when someone comes in and they're passionate about their idea. It goes a long way. Right. Thank you, all four of you. And uh, each of our pictures get exactly five minutes. Zoe has got a little timer on her, on her watch. And uh, when the five minutes begin, I shall shout, Europe! Uh, when the five minutes are up, what shall I shout? Yes, Brexit! So we get uh, five minutes to, uh, to pitch each show. 
So shall we begin? We've had enough of all of this preamble. So we are going to begin with Mr. Cliff Parrott, and he is going to present a show entitled Buck, 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 Buckley. And he is from Salty Dog Pictures. Please join me on the stage, Cliff. Big round of applause for Cliff. Let's just make sure you're all ready and prepared. You've got your bit of paper there. You're all set. You sure? You ready? You ready? Uh, yeah. Do you want a hug? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I feel much be better right. now. Be fine. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah okay. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, everybody. I, I'm I, Cliff. I, I, no, you can't do that. I've got to show Europe. Okay. Sure. You ready? Okay. Ready. Ready. All, right. all right. We're ready. ready. All right. Europe. Okay. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm Cliff. Uh, I'm the other half of uh, Salty Dog Pictures. Our, our uh, producer, uh, Deirdre. Uh, would love to have been here, but uh, she gives her regards. Uh, we're here to uh, promote our, uh, our, our pitch, our first uh, show in a while. This is a, a show called um, Buck, Buck, Buck and Buckley, Chickens at Law. It's a, uh, um, a comedy show about an underdog chicken named Bo Buckley, who's uh, naive uh, or in denial, uh, or both, uh, about the odds that are stacked against him from achieving his dreams. It's a 100% character-driven show about four friends, uh, Bo Buckley, Mitch Snapper, Stella Whitetail, and B3. Uh, Bo naively assumes that uh, if he works hard enough, uh, one day he'll make partner, hence the show's title, Buck, 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 and Buckley. It all takes place in the city of uh, Los Gamieville, uh, which is inhabited by animals of all sorts. They talk, have jobs, they commute, go to dinner, etc. cetera. Uh, there's, uh, there's no humans in it. Uh, instead of uh, just kind of reading off a laundry list of what the show's about, it's probably easier to get a feel for it uh, uh, by walking you through a bit of the story. So uh, this is uh, Boring Bore. Our, our friends must attend a mandatory seminar held by the most boring lecturer in the history. Uh, how will they stay awake? Uh, here's our heroes, uh, B3, Stella Whitetail, Bo Buckley, and Mitch Snapper as they begin their 12 very long hours of seminar held by the notorious Sergeant O. Sergeant. He's going to read the entire 52 dusty volumes on mollusk law, uh, nonstop and in monotone. And if anyone uh, is fool enough to even think about falling asleep, well, they will be immediately escorted out of their seat, zoot, and unceremoniously hogtied by a hog no less, and ejected from the lecture hall uh, in an undignified manner. Uh, getting shot out a window. <laughs> okay, so uh, here they are. Uh, gee, fellas, uh, what are we going to do? There's no way we can stay awake for 12 hours with uh, Sergeant O. Sergeant droning on. Never fear, Bo Buckley's got an idea or two. As uh, uh, Sergeant O. Sergeant does his worst or his best, just droning on and on and on, and attendees are getting ejected left, right, and center, Bo puts his ideas into action, and the first one is, Toothpick eyelid props, uh, but even these uh, sturdy wooden picks are no match for the sergeant's awesome powers of boredom. Poing, uh, off screen, someone gets hit and they scream out. Uh, they try uh, to get a couple more of Bo's ideas in, like painting eyelids on, their, uh, on, uh, on, their top, on top of their eyes, uh, slapping each other while they fall asleep, uh, but nothing is working. Uh, that is until Bo uh, comes up with another great idea. Uh, the power of distraction. With a crumpled up piece of paper, uh, they will just play a friendly game of uh, uh, table football on the sly. What could go wrong? So I'll have to see the rest of it uh, when we hopefully make it the series. Uh, what's a character-driven show without uh, great characters? Uh, first one is uh, Bo Buckley. He's our hero. 
uh, an underdog that everyone will root for. He's basically uh, a goonie goober who uh, vastly overestimates his intelligence, his skill level, and every other ability. And uh, this is what uh, gets him in into hot water, but he's got some good friends to back him up. And his best friend is uh, Mitch Snapper, uh, the hot-headed underachiever. Even though he dons a shell and has scales, uh, he's thin-skinned. He assumes everyone is talking behind his back, and they are. Then there's the cheerful Stella Whitetail. Nothing gets her down, or at least that's what she likes the public to see. Uh, she's the group's cheerleader, and it's sunshine. But don't be fooled by her perky demeanor. She can be a formidable foe. Um, this is B3, or Bob Buck III, or Buck Snot to his, uh, to his uh, critics. He's a classic boss's son. Uh, he, Bo, and the others have known each other since uh, they were hatched. he was hatched. They all went to school together, and it was uh, B3 who got them their first law jobs at his family-run law firm but with uh, the direct understanding that they will be doing all the work for him. Uh, this is uh, B1, uh, this is uh, B3's family, B1 and B2. B1 or Bar Buck as the, the, the old stodgy rooster that started the long for, uh, law firm many, many, many years ago. Uh, B2 is uh, Bob Buck's uh, uh, father, uh, Bob Buck Jr. Uh, he plays the part of a successful solicitor. He just never actually does uh, all that stuff uh, like working. Uh, the show uh, primarily takes in, uh, place in two locations, the law, the, the law office and the uh, Los Gameyville District Court. In the law office, uh, you'll see uh, Miss Gamely, if you can see her through uh, the ever-present swarm of flies. She's the one who keeps the uh, office running. Uh, in court, we'll see characters like the incompetent Judge Smales, the snail, the overbearing Clerk Clausen, who actually makes the decisions in the court, uh, debonair yet... Well, you leave that. How far? How far have you got to go? I just got two more slides. Okay, let's do it. Okay, great. Okay, so uh, like I said, the um, the world of uh, uh, Buck, Buck and Buckley's characters and all that stuff, uh, the heroes, uh, they, um, and all the other uh, crimes and the, t the different names we have for these uh, characters, is fertile ground for a lot of stories. Uh, we've got uh, quite a few of them. Um, the premises uh, done right now. It's and the thing practically writes itself because there's a lot of uh, really uh, good uh, good characters. Uh, the show is very much still in its uh, early stages of development. We really like to get in early with uh, a broadcaster or a developer to um, help uh, uh, get, um, get the process started and, and tailor it towards whatever brand uh, that uh, the broadcaster is going for. But thank you for listening, and uh, hope you like it. Great. Well done. Thank you. Well done, Cliff. Thanks very much for presenting the show. And, uh, Let's turn for a, a first a quick reaction from our panel. Finn, is this something that... Uh... Um, I'll, I'll tell you what's uh, uh, original about that. I've never heard of a... Presumably you're pitching this to kids. I've never heard of a kid's show with legal and courtyard, court, courtrooms in it. So from that point alone, um, my, my initial thing is I'm struggling to see the relevance for a kid's audience here. Again, I think, you know, we're not box-ticking here, but... It's like legal, it says it takes place in the courtroom and it takes place in the town. Is everything about legal jokes and puns and everything? I'm not, I'm not really feeling where there's something relatable to our kids' audience there. That's my initial. Cliff, I mean, it's, uh, it's got kids in it, you know, it's, uh, or... They seem, they seem like adults. Yeah. Well, you know, you can take a look at something like Spongebob, I mean, if you explain that one, it's a fry cook. Totally get it, totally get it. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. But that's my initial thing, the, the legal thing, um, I'm sure there's lots of clever jokes about that. I don't know whether that's going to go over kids' heads. We all know that things like SpongeBob and all the other shows like it work on two levels. But 
I'm stuck on the legal thing for now. That was my initial. Okay. No, well, thanks rate. very much, Finn. And uh, Genevieve, any thoughts? Well, I, I, I sort of agree with Finn on the on the last bit. I like the bit when they're they're, they're going into the lecture and they've got to get, find ways to, you know, to stay awake. You know, lot, all kids struggle with you know extreme boredom, and it's uh, and it you know to the point where they, you know they bang their head against the desk because they're so bored. And uh, so I, I still remember doing that at school. <laughs> Um, so that so that that bit was nice. Um, it's probably a bit more U.S. orientated, a bit more, a bit more classic comedy. Probably want to probably want a U.S. partner more than a a U.K. partner. Uh, it, it felt a bit too U.S. orientated for us. Eric. He doesn't love a chicken lead character, so it's a great idea, and, and then you know for casting. But I, I think I agree with the, the, my other panelists that it's it's tough to see where you'll get fifty to one hundred and four stories within this world of of legal, and and I wanted to know more about the character relationships. What why is he not the the why is he not a partner, and you know more about that that dynamic. Does it open up a lot more uh, with storylines and what's yes, happening? Yes, yeah, like I said, if, um, if it's something that uh, someone wants to read, uh, I mean, it's very hard to kind of put it all together yeah, yeah. in five minutes, but uh, I can pass on the pitch Bibles to read it at your leisure. If it's something that strikes your fancy later on, it's, you know, it's great. Cool. And uh, Cheryl? Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have a, a sweet spot audience age that you... you yeah, this are... is uh, like uh, 6 to 12. Uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, definitely a, a comedy... Uh, like I said, the, the thing is just it's set up in a, in a law firm it's, uh, and, and, and core thing, but at the same time, it's really about these characters and their relationships and, and, and the, the stuff they get themselves into and these, uh, these uh, clients that they, they represent. So you're not really getting, you're not, you know, we're not going to be teaching kids, you know, the ramifications of, of the legal process. It's about situation comedy. These, these guys get themselves into way over their heads and then how do they deal with it, you know. So, well, I'd, I'd, it'd be interesting to see a script because I, I agree that in terms of the character relationships, which obviously will underpin all of that comedy, especially I think as there's an anxiety about how comprehensible that will be and how kind of immersive for, for six to twelve, so it would be it would be really interesting to see a script. I think. Yeah. If this is character-based comedy. You need to make sure that your your relationships between the characters is super funny because that's what you're going for here. You are going for that slapstick, you know, exactly. funny, comedy-driven, exactly. prime-time show, yes. right? Yeah. So it's all about the relationships you've got within the characters, which obviously we haven't seen in the five minutes. But yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. OK. Great. And uh, what about the audience? What about you guys? Did, did it pique anybody's interest? If, uh, if it did, then uh, you can put up a, put up a white card uh, uh, if uh, you'd like to write. OK. Well, uh, Anthony and I will have a little chat together. What, what did you think, Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> I, I take the point about the um, the legal thing. I'm just wondering whether that's going to shoot over everybody's head. And everyone's too terrified now to put up a card, even if they <laughs> they like it. It's my job to break down the fourth wall here. <laughs> a bit like Adele did at Glastonbury. It's free. It's free. <laughs> but, free opportunity. But without the bad language. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the um, I'm doing this for. Uh, it, it, Carl Woolley was meant to do this. Oh, there's a gentleman there. Uh, Carl Woolley was meant to be doing this, but he couldn't um, do it, so I'm doing it. I'm not as funny as him, but I'm considerably taller. <laughs> <laughs> David Holt would like to, the well-known voiceover artist, would like to. Yes, Cliff, my question is, I liked it, uh, I liked the look of it, because it reminded me a little bit of Top Cat and that sort of thing, but where is it set? 
Is it, is it in the UK or is it America? Well, it's like, uh, like you said, if you just want to keep on uh, drawing it back on uh, uh, something like SpongeBob, it's, it's in a place called Los Gamieville. I mean, it's, it's something that where you can have it, it has its own kind of location. And if you, like I said, if a UK broadcaster or somebody would want to get involved in it, this is where I say it. it's, it's at early stages. And if someone said, you know, this is, we'd like to have it skewed this way, and this is, we have barristers, maybe put the wigs on the judge and all that stuff. This is stuff that we can work out um, uh, yes. as it gets developed. Um, like I said, it's a very much like I said, it's a comedy-based, uh, character-driven show. And so there's mostly developed. It's going to be characters, their relationships, and the situations they get themselves into. Like I said, uh, I you know I put off eight uh, quick uh, story springboards on this thing, and it I mean I, the stuff stuff was writing itself. It was just dripping off the pen. So um, like I said I think we could you know definitely put a strong show together depending on. Uh, who uh, we're, we're partnering with. And I, I could see the potential in the um, relationships between the characters just from the uh, images that you put up on the screen. So. Ah, cheers, yeah. thanks. So David's well versed in getting into a booth and having to make these things come alive. So uh, it's good to hear from you. Thank you. Anybody um, else like to... Um, do, you want, do you want more? I can, uh, I can do half an hour. If yeah, I, want. <laughs> no, so I think... Uh, well, let's see if our dragons, if anybody wants to take a conversation further on the show. And, uh, okay, well... I think, well, I, I, think, I think Cliff's very passionate about this. I think that's what's come across. He really believes in it. So I'd definitely I'd be willing to put in 20 quid at this stage just to have a conversation about script, I think. If, he, if, he's, if he's that convinced that those characters can, in a sense, transcend what we think might be a little bit of a tricky precinct for six- to seven-year-olds, I'd be interested at least having that conversation. That's great. So uh, you have Cheryl Taylor wanting to talk further for £20. That means... Yeah, round of applause. Thank you, Cheryl. You get to buy her a drink with her own money. So it's, uh, I'll tell you what, it's more than most of us get. I tell you, take it, be happy. <laughs> Anybody else want to, uh, want to trounce Cheryl? Never said that before, never thought I ever would. But. I've been trounced many times. I don't, I don't want to trounce Cheryl, but chickens are funny, right? Mm. Cow and chicken, any other chicken shows? Chickens are funny, you've got to find where the funny is in, within those characters. And again, I'm just, I kind of want to have a further conversation with you just to talk to you about that whole premise. So. I'm going to do it. 30 quid. <gasps> I'm going to do it because we, we need to talk chickens and we need to talk context in terms of the kids' entertainment industry. So for 30 quid, which is a bottle of white wine, yeah. uh, I'm up for it. Okay, that means you can't talk to Cheryl anymore. Yeah, I'm trounced. I'm absolutely firmly trounced oh, there. But trounced. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I've prompted let's 30 talk, quid Let's talk for comedy you. character well chickens. Sounds great. So you're, you're in there with uh, Hasbro Studios. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right, and now it's pitch number two. We are going to hear about New Girl on the Block, and it is uh, going to be presented by Tim Bain and Tony Cook, two guys who met for the very first time at CMC four years ago and became best friends. Uh, uh, so, Tim and Tony. Word up. Hello, everyone. We are, do I need one? We are Tim Bain and Tony Cook, and we have written on a bunch of many cool shows such as these with many of you lovely people in the room, uh, some of maybe for the last time today. Uh, yeah. 
White guys in hammer pants. Bad idea. Very bad idea, Tony. Um, we'd love to tell you about our new show, New Girl on the Block, which is a, um, it's a comedy drama aimed at 8 to 12-year-olds and their families. The show all started with the thought, what if you became best friends with your own parents when they were your age? I recently became a dad, and Tim is expecting twins. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we're starting to wonder what we're going to tell these kids about what we were like as teenagers and what we'd never want them to find out. And we realised we actually know very little about our own parents, what they were like as teens. So for the purposes of today, we asked them. Apparently, uh, my dad, there he is, um, he wanted to be a ping pong champion, um, or if not that, then cure cancer. And, uh, <laughs> my mum over on the far right, uh, well, I was really pleased to hear that she was elected class captain, but horrified to discover she was boy crazy. She had crushes on Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, and every guy at school, apparently. It wasn't good to hear. But what if we could really have known them as teens? In our series, 13-year-old Kylie gets that freakish opportunity. Kylie, yes, named after that <laughs> 90s pop star by her embarrassing parents, is winning at 2016. She's got her own online vlog with millions of followers in which she sings solo and dishes out advice to teens all over the world. But amazing as she is with her digital fans, she's not great with actual FaceTime. She keeps flaking out on her best friend Corey, and her relationship with her parents is shaky to rubbish. Yeah, so her risk-averse control freak dad is determined to shift Kylie's focus away from the screen and concentrate on getting ahead in the real world. And her mum is this over-enthusiastic fun mum who insists on sharing the best years of your life with Kylie and trying to make surprise cameos in her vlog. Kylie's got this inkling that maybe her parents are such hopeless tragics because their early dreams of music stardom crashed and burned. Then, one day, when Kylie's MacBook Pro bites the dust and she's forced to use her tight-ass dad's Stone Age laptop, she finds a portal to venture back and forth to 1991. Where she soon discovers the 1990s suck. Garish fashions, uh, terrible hair, Crappy video games, David Hasselhoff is still a thing, and there's no Wi-Fi anywhere. Which means your social circle's constrained to the tiny handful of uh, friends you can scrape together at school. Yep, Kylie's gone from Zoella to zero. In her first episode, she desperately tries to find her way back to 2016. But before she does, she discovers a few things that entice her to return. So she meets a girl nicknamed Minnie, who's a barrel of laughs, uh, and she wants to audition for this brand new teen garage band, but she lacks the confidence. And Kylie, who is the queen of self-help, sees a project. Then there's this boy, Jason, who engages her in actual conversation uh, and even makes her a mixtape uh, in stark contrast to her 2016 crush who only communicates via emojis and peck pics. <laughs> and uh, then there's this garage band, Vocal Recall, a, group, a cool group of young rockers whose edgy lead guitarist, nicknamed Cruz, sees Kylie's potential. Then finally, the big shock. Kylie realises Minnie and Cruz are her own future parents. Stunned, intrigued, still trying to figure out how these two cool kids became her lame-ass folks, Kylie decides she has to spend a bit more time in 91. Soon she's juggling two lies between two worlds, twilighted between two guys in different time zones, getting inside dirt on her teenage parents she can use in future disputes, and trying to prevent chaos when her best friend Corey finds the portal, crashes the party, and starts geeking out on all the 90s kitsch. 
Kylie constantly needs to be careful not to blow her own cover by trying to fit into this strange new decade, tragically attempting new fads like rollerblading or nailing that awesome new hairstyle like a boss. Uh, we don't want to get bogged down uh, by space-time continuum sort of stuff. Um, this is a show about friendships, uh, much more than it is about time travel headaches. Uh, but before too long, Kylie does realise that maybe if she uses the do-it-yourself attitude of Generation YouTube, then maybe she can help her parents' band actually achieve the success she knows they never got, and maybe help to fix her dysfunctional future family. We'd love to make a show that tweens can share with their parents, celebrating the positives and not-so-positives of two contrasting decades, before and after the internet. We're keen to feature an original song in every episode as Kylie helps vocal recall find their jam. Are they grunge, boy band, metal, pop or punk? New Girl on the Block mixes a fun, fish-out-of-water situation, the fantasy fulfilment of stepping into another world and the drama of flipping what you know about your family on its head. It's the warmth of Gilmore Girls, the creative aspiration of Glee, the time travel hooks of How I Met Your Mother, and of course, a healthy dose of raw emotion, a la Dawson. Yes. <laughs> We've hit Brexit. But, okay. Uh, Article 50's not there yet. We'd like to leave. <laughs> We'd like to leave you with a brief trip down Nostalgia Lane with a salute to that golden era, the 1990s. <laughs> Well done, guys. Hey, show of cards. Who liked that? Whoa, we got the cards up. Great, Anthony. Is we there anybody there who wants to, who wants well, to voice an opinion? Sweaty, it must be inside those golden trousers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oliver, you didn't put your card up. Don't you want to know where he got the trousers? <laughs> Sadly, I know where those trousers come from. So. <laughs> My um, record collection firmly says that uh, Kylie is um, from the 80s, which rather confused me, unless you're talking the deconstruction years rather than the BWL years. But, uh... <laughs> I, of all people, should know that, shouldn't you I? absolutely yes. should, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all in the script. I mean, with live-action dra drama, it's, it's all going to be in the script and, and how you make that work. And I think, you know, again, you're talking about the, uh, the time travel not being a, a thing. Really, that's just a device to get back in... Back to the, um, Peggy Sue got married effectively, but yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would be interesting to see the script for most people, I would think. Thanks, Anybody Oliver. else in, in the audience want to voice an opinion? Quick comment. Before we go or to our we, dragons. We could talk about the Chilcot report. <laughs> <laughs> and when Tony Blair's going to prison. Yeah. Maybe, okay, maybe well, it's not the venue. Well, our dragons <laughs> have had a moment to digest this. So uh, should we begin with uh, Genevieve this time? Genevieve, what did you reckon? Well, you know, we're a CG studio, so um, would you be willing to make this in CG? Or if it was in live action, would you have, like, a load of visual effects? We could, uh, I mean, we could yeah, sort of mi mimic that 90s style of terrible animation. No offence to anyone in the room. Yeah, we'd kind of need to get a lot of that in there Absolutely. for us to come on board, yeah. Okay. 
Right. Eric, is it more along your line of uh, thinking? Absolutely. This is, <laughs> oh, right. this is the, I, I love these kind of time travel people out of place. And, you know, it was not a fond decade of mine, but I, <laughs> there's, there's plenty to lampoon. So I think you guys have, have touched on something that has proven itself in uh, commercially with, you know, the 70s show being something looking back, Happy Days being something that looked back. I think yeah. this is really a smart uh, pick. Sure. And Cheryl. Um, first of all, I'd like to say brilliant pitch. Well done. I think um, to come on a dress like that and really evoke, in a sense, um, the kind of subject matter of what you're pitching. Nice touch with the kiddie shots as well. Fantastic. Get everyone's sympathy. Oh, <laughs> new dads, were he? Um, really clear. You obviously know exactly the buttons you want this to press in both an adult audience and a kid's audience. I think um, very entertaining. Comes across really, really clearly. I think... Um, for CBBC, we're always looking for, you know, fresh comedy. And at the moment, as you know, we've just gone to extended hours, which are doing pretty well for us. So we believe, we haven't got all the data in yet, that there's quite a big co-viewing audience happening between seven and nine. So I would say this is the kind of show we'd love to be um, talking about. Cool. Ooh, well right. done. Thank you. Well, great. And really Finn. Good. Uh, yeah, agree. That great, great pitch, guys. That was very clever, and you can tell that your pitch writing was right on point. So it was really good. Unfortunately for us, we, we focus on animation. Uh, we do live action movies. That the last '90s throwback, which was Gem, which wasn't so successful for us. Uh, so we're kind of out of that game for now. So we're, we're wholly focused on animation. But I have to say, it was a very clever pitch. Your words and the way you presented it. I think you guys are clever writers and clever pictures, so good luck with these guys. But as in a dragon's phrase, I'm out. Right. I'm out, okay. I got to say it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we're, uh, uh, time is oppressing, so uh, who's gonna put some money up? I'll put 250 quid. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa, well done, 250. Uh, is that in? Uh, a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand, wow. Wow, okay, so. Uh, you got the balls, Eric. Oh. We've only got Eric. We've got one more pitch. We've got one more pitch. Is that right? Yeah. We've got one more pitch. One more pitch. And so we have two. Quickly. Come two on, you got a window spend. here, Eric. Come on, Eric. Thousand fifty. Thousand fifty. I might need to huddle. <laughs> so, you... Melissa, Helen Buller. Do you think I should go up? I'm doing. This is a very. We are very team oriented at BBC. So, ha Helen Buller, Melissa, hands up if you think I should go up. Up, up. Okay. Fifteen hundred. Let's 1500. cut. Okay. Let's go for it. Come on. 1,500. Eric, 1,500. Wow, You're up against 1,500. But I have one more still. Do it. Do it. Yeah. 1,750. 1,750. Okay. Okay. So we're now in the position where if I go to two grand, which I probably will, if Eric... <laughs> If Eric does the same, then obviously we're at impasse. But what I would like to offer, you know a lot of the team already, so I'm going to go to two grand and remind you of the fantastic editorial support, the brilliant marketing campaign, <laughs> all that firepower that BBC has. Um, I think it's a, great, it's a great, great pitch, so two grand for me. Two grand, okay. Now, can we break the rules? I mean, if Eric really wants this, can he go above two grand? Okay. okay, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. It's, it, it's Cheryl's. Hey. Okay, Cheryl. Okay, well done, guys. You've got it. Okay, great. Thank you, we're doing right. a shake. Yeah, hug time. Okay, we're running short of time here. It's, uh, it's turning into like a MIPCOM meeting where you're in and you're out. It's... Right.
So now we're going to have our final pictures, and it is their first time at the CMC. Uh, we're going to meet two ladies called uh, Anne Wilkes and Emily Howells, and they are about to pitch us a show called David and Lawrence. Please do come up and join us, ladies. Right, so uh, I won't shout Europe at you. You can start in your own time. Lawrence is a man with a moustache. David is the toucan who lives on his head. And they are psychologists. <laughs> Through a door in their office, they travel into the mind, nixing nightmares, unwinding smothered synapses, and inspiring mental well-being through whimsical adventures. Hello, I'm Emily. I'm Anne. And we are here to present to you our animated comedy TV series, David and Lawrence. Each episode is 14 minutes in length, aimed at the upper end of the six to 11 year old demographic, and mixes hand-drawn, stop-motion, and cut-out animation. The show is set in a world similar to our own, but a little bit different. Most episodes take place at Higabizi Hospital, where David and Lawrence meet their young patients and interact with fellow doctors, Jeff, Mina, Beedi, a giddy receptionist named Darlene, and two hotshot nurses, Edmund and Philip. It's here that David and Lawrence, with their patient, physically step into the mind, allowing them to visually explore intangible subjects and ideas. But who is this Lawrence? And why is there a toucan on his head? Well, first of all, David and Lawrence haven't always been together. David sometimes makes oblique references to his rainforest past, and Lawrence will admit he's used, he used to feel quite lonely before David arrived. But now they are perfectly attached and in more ways than one. Feathers and hair follicles have tangled in together and grown into each other so that now and forever they come as a pair. Best buddies, a top-notch psychology team, and a very competitive badminton duo. However, David and Lawrence would be very quick to point out that they are different people. Lawrence is always full of questions, driven by his ambition to locate the human soul. And if he ever did, he would probably say something like, Why hello, old Bean. It's so marvellous to meet you. David, meanwhile, is a little bit mysterious, which is what you'd expect from a toucan who appears out of nowhere and makes his home atop your head. He revels in his enigmatic reputation, but he is kind and helpful. And if he sometimes comes across as a little uppity, we'll assume it's because he's preoccupied with the wider worries of the world, a bit like a feathery Gandalf. <laughs> David and Lawrence complement each other with their mutual need for one another and symbiotic relationship. But what did their patients say here, you ask? Well, there are a few regulars, including Gretchen, who suffers from deja vu, Dio, the, the child prodigy, Keith, the well, who's searching for his soul. Oh, and of course, Gretchen, who's suffering from deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll just tell you about Ada and Daphne for now. So Ada has just finished her GCSEs and she's very quiet. In fact, she has barely spoken for a couple of years because she has selected mutism. She's learned to get by by being a bit of a loner, but as she nears adulthood, she realises that's not going to work anymore and she needs to help herself. She plays the cello and Lawrence is an excellent pianist. David's got a beautiful baritone and they communicate through music. Daphne is 13 and seemingly cool and confident, if a little sarcastic and occasionally sloppy in her schoolwork. She's popular in class, but secretly worried that her recurring panic attacks will label her the crazy kid. Daphne's school has referred her to David and Lawrence, and she's not happy about this. 
However, their relationship develops over time to build on a mutual respect and trust, especially after they enter her mind to discover the sweet, kind girl within. Each episode focuses on a particular recurring character, and David and Lawrence help solve their problems over the course of the series, mixing humour and empathy in everyday situations, which will help normalise the mental health taboo. For example, Ada's desensitisation therapy encourages her to uh, enter into the school talent show. In another episode, Lawrence learns the value of different friendships when David spends the whole time in a catatonic slumber. To ensure our characters' authenticity, we have consulted with NHS, children's and adult mental health services, music therapists and our own personal connections, and we'll continue to do so through the production. David and Lawrence's world provides a platform to explore the human psyche. The show mirrors children's natural curiosity with a quirky, joyful humour, which gives the underlying messages power and opens up the show to a wider cult following. By tapping into the young and open attitude of our audience, we'll be kick-starting a conversation and promoting a modern way of thinking about mental health. We are very much looking forward to bringing David and Lawrence to life. We believe this show will build a faithful following for its original, unpredictable storytelling and appealing oddball characters. Our aim is to create a show that poses big, interesting questions and encourages creative thinking, whilst it's fun to watch and funny as well. That show is David and Lawrence. Thank you for listening. Congratulations, that's a wonderful pitch. And let's have a quick show of cards. Who liked that one? Wow, yeah, look at that. A lot of, lot of love in the room. Let's ask Cheryl. Cheryl, what did you make of this? Um, I really love the design, ladies, and thank you for your pitch. It was a very elegant pitch as well. It was really sweet. Um, and I'm really interested in this area, because I don't know whether you know, but on CBBC we use animation a lot to kind of talk about sensitive issues, whether in Life Babble, where we talk about family relationships or puberty or, or what have you. And, and I think that this would be a really neat way of exploring more of that area. And my, my, just my question would be about how you... Um, ensure that in a script the narrative and the, the relationships in a sense come first um, and are, as you said are engaging and want, you know make people want to come back for more rather than surfacing some of the mental health issues too obviously so you know what what's that kind of little hybrid offering on that sense but I think um, I think it's beautiful and elegant really really well done and thank you and Finn um, I think it's um it's very. I, I really like the idea that it's very whimsical, as you said, you used that word on purpose. So the style's really nice. Obviously, from our point of view at Hasbro Studios, we're much more on the kind of, like, you know, licensing and merchandising point of view. I don't think the show is for us. It feels to me like a public service broadcaster. I think the whole mental... I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying it's, it feels like, you know, the mental health issue and introducing that to kids, great idea. It's very brave. It's a very challenging idea, but it's a very brave one. So it's great. So you've, you've got the debate started. But personally, it's not something that we would pursue. But I like the graphic style. Your presentation was very eloquent and very on point. Um, um, there you go. Right, and uh, Genevieve. I think I'd like the... Um, I would almost sort of turn the pitch around the other way and start with, and start with the girls... Um, and, and, and then and then and then work around to this uh, to, to this guy and, uh, and sort of do it more from their sort of POV. But I like I very much like the the craziness of it really. Um, and um, you know I think I think we'd like to have another look at it. Mm, it's boding well. So Eric. 
fun. You know, I, I agree with, with everyone. It's really beautiful. It's, it's the, the intention is really lovely. For us, where we need to commercialize our properties and bring them around the world, it's a tough sell for us it, because it, it is dealing with a very important issue, but not something that everyone wants on their air, you know. So um, but it's really lovely, lovely pitch. Are you dealing with it through the issues of the two of the girl of the teen? I mean, effectively, this is a teenage buddy pick, really. So I don't know what angle you're going to go for first. Are you is it relationship between him and her, and therefore their issues, or are we are we thrust into the hospital and all of the issues around it? It's it's very much it's tricky the mental health angle because we we're we're very aware that's the sensitive subject and the thing we come back to. But for us, it's very much about the characters and the stories and being funny and surreal and sort of bringing up questions and opening up uh, conversations. And we didn't want to focus too much on the difficult issues. We wanted it to almost normalise it so it becomes part of this really fun and, and underlying. So you watch it and you're not almost yeah. aware of what you're just engaged. And Great. Oh, we're going to have to move to, some, uh, to the nasty, nasty money bit after <laughs> such a wonderful, lovely pitch. We're going to have to talk money. So... Who would like to uh, put their money where their mouths have just been? Well, I, I've spent that all did my come money. out wrong, didn't it? <laughs> I spent all my money, but um, I think is Jackie Edwards in the house. Why she got some money? No, but because she's not up on stage and not constricted by the very strict rules that Zoe has laid down, I would say that I'm sure Jackie Edwards would love a conversation at some point in the future, but I can't put any money down. Okay, well, we shall introduce you to Jackie and see how that goes. So anybody else want to uh, No, for various reasons, it's not fitting. Sometimes it just doesn't fit the box, well, does I'd, it? I'd, I'd, yes. like, I'd like to bid £100, but I have to, because I have a business partner here, Jules Coke. Right. He's going to tell us whether I can do that or not. Right, okay. It's up. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So... We'll have, to, we'll have to call it a day, but at least all three of our pitches do have uh, meaningful relationships now with varying degrees of money. So thank you very much, Genevieve. So you'll be having a chat with Genevieve and receiving some money from either her or the, or the, back with the guy with the cash. And uh, thank you very, very much to all our dragons who've been here today. And a, thank you very much for doing this. And obviously to our three sets of pictures, it is uh, a tough thing to stand up here and do this uh, in a quiet room, let alone in front of 200 people. So thank you very much for the fiction experience. <laughs>